Hey guys, welcome back to Books in the City. I'm so excited today because I just finished interviewing Laura Hankin, who has quickly become one of my favorite authors. She is the author of Happy and You Know It and her latest novel, A Special Place for Women, which I was and still am completely obsessed with. Laura also is a performer. She's been in movies, plays, off-Broadway shows, and a songwriter, and she writes songs about her books. So make sure you head over to her Instagram page to see a fun little catchy song that I still have in my head about a special place for women. And she has been featured on Funny or Die, The Huffington Post, and The New York Times. So we got to sit down, talk about her latest book, The Wing, Happy and You Know It, Living in New York, pretty much everything. I had so much fun chatting with her, and I can't wait for you guys to listen to it this is going to be the best book you ever read like this is your new favorite book off the internet man i don't know books to cram oh, i need to go be introvert <laughs> welcome to books in the city <laughs> hey guys welcome back to books in the city i'm kayla and i'm laura Thank you so much for joining us today. When I posted that I was reading your book, I got so many messages about people being like, what is this? I've seen the summary and I'm so interested in it. And then people who started reading it since it came out and they loved it. So, (laughs) so excited to have you on. Can you give our listeners the elevator pitch for your new book, A Special Place for Women? Yeah, absolutely. So A Special Place for Women is about a journalist named Jillian, who is in a rough place. She's just been let go from her journalism job. Her mother has recently died. She feels like her career, her chance to have the career she wants is passing her by. So she's like, all right, shoot my shot. One big story. I'm going to try to infiltrate this top secret women only social club for the New York elite. And she's heard all of these rumors about this club, nevertheless, um, from the sort of like fun rumors to the more shadowy, serious rumors about how much influence they have. Um, So she decides she's going to get in, expose all their secrets, only to find out that the women are much more powerful than she ever thought. I thought the idea for this was just so unique and the whole book itself was kind of unlike anything I've ever read I couldn't really think of something to compare it to which I think is a great thing it was like nice and refreshing where did you or how did you come up with the idea for this thank you so much first of all yeah I kind of (laughs) like threw a bunch of genres in there (laughs) even now people will be like what genre is this book? And I'll be like, I, I don't know. I'm sorry. <laughs> Can't yeah. tell you. I love that though, because there's a bit of everything in it. Yeah. Um, so the idea for this book came from The Wing, which I don't know if you know it. <laughs> it was this this big like women's social club slash networking slash co-working space that started here in New York. Um, and it was really pitched as this kind of like utopia for women, you could come, um, you know, like in between your meetings and freshen up, but also like make these amazing connections with other women. And uh, it was a place to like rest and relax, but also to like change the world. Um, And so I went to go meet a friend for coffee there one day. And she was a member. Yeah. And she invited me to join and I was excited to go. Uh, And then immediately just felt like really out of place and self-conscious and like I was not impressive enough to be there. Um, So interesting. (laughs) Yeah. And obviously some of that is like my own self-consciousness. But yeah, I was just really struck by 
that by how a place that could be like, you belong here. Women could simultaneously make some women feel like they didn't belong at all. Um, so I really wanted to put a journalist in that mix and like somebody who really didn't consider herself a club person was kind of mm-hmm. closed off initially and snarky and like, no, I don't, I don't need sisterhood. Um, and force her to get really deep into it for her job to see what happened. <laughs> That's so funny you say that because I, I'm not sure if all of our listeners will be familiar with The Wing. I, being in New York, I feel like it was kind of in our face a lot. And I remember following them on Instagram and being like, what is this place? Like, I yeah. want to go there. When I was mentioning to one of my co-hosts last night what this book was about, I mentioned The Wing. And she was like, I have such an issue with them because they say that they're so inclusive and then it's really so exclusive to join and be a part of it. And I was like, well, you need to read this book then because <laughs> you really like hit the nail on the head with like, I think what we all found out about the wing then afterwards, what it was really like. And I still like, are, I can't even tell if they're open. I was trying to figure out <laughs> in a Google search. I know. I mean, last I heard, you know, their CEO ended up resigning because there were so many complaints about them not being inclusive in many ways, like with class and race and all sorts of issues. Um, At last I heard the majority stakeholder is now like a man. Basically it was sold and taken over and now a man owns it. (laughs) What a trajectory. Yeah. I love that you named your version of the wing nevertheless. I thought it really like touched on the whole white feminism and kind of the capitalization of feminism that we really saw after 2016. Mm-hmm. How did you land on this name? And were there any other contenders? Great question. Um, yeah, I, it, for those who don't know, it came from the Elizabeth Warren, nevertheless, she persisted. Uh, thing that, you know, then became such a feminist rallying cry. Um, and it came pretty easily to me (laughs) the name of the club itself I think it yeah it just felt like so many of the women in it would totally have a tote bag that said like nevertheless she persisted um the harder thing was actually figuring out the name of the book uh oh that's interesting (laughs) yeah I well because for a while I wanted to just call the book nevertheless but then one my publishing team was like I think we can do a little bit better or like have a more evocative title. Um, and two, Alec Baldwin had like written some book that was called Nevertheless, <laughs> some memoir. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I was like racking my brain trying to figure out a title. And then my friend texted me um, the Madeleine Albright quote, there's a special place in hell for women who don't help or support other women. Um, and I was like, oh, that's it. <laughs> When I opened the book and I saw that quote, I just was like, I think I'm really going to like this book. (laughs) It kind of like summed everything up before you even got to the first page. (laughs) So what was your writing process like? And was this a quarantine novel? Uh, So I, I wrote the first draft of this all before quarantine happened. Um, It was my first book that I wrote on a deadline. Like my previous book, yeah, Happy and You Know It, I got a two book deal for it. Um, So this was like my first time writing something and knowing that it would be published as opposed to other books where I was like, I I don't know, I might have just written an entire novel that people will be like, oh, thanks, but no thanks. Um, So I think there was a lot of freedom that came with that, which was wonderful. 
And then also definitely a lot of anxiety too, of like, what if I can't deliver, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. even just coming up with the idea for this, I like didn't have the idea, but I had a deadline. And so I went on a lot of long walks being oh, like, wow. will I ever have another idea again? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the writing process, it was my first time writing full time too, which was really, really cool. Um, so generally I try to write in the mornings. I like take a long, long walk and then try to turn my phone off. I was working uh, at the time at this wonderful co-writing space here in New York called Paragraph, which is like for writers. And so you have to be quiet, but then there's a room where you can oh, wow. like go and chat on your lunch break and stuff. So I, I wrote the bulk of it there and then definitely like took myself on a a little Airbnb long weekend, you know, I got a cheap Airbnb up in Hudson on Hastings and just, it was like a tiny cabin. Um, and I, I just like played a lot of Casey Musgraves and danced oh, around and like <laughs> wrote, you know, 6,000 words. <laughs> okay. So they do go to a cabin in this book. Did you pull inspo then from your time up there? That was the scene that I was writing. Like that whole section oh my God. was the section that I was writing when I was up there. So it was really, really Very helpful. immersive. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. So there are, there were so many moments when I was reading this that I was laughing that things that I, I wasn't sure if they were meant to be a joke, but as a New Yorker, they were just so relatable. And I was thinking, because we're like a New York-based podcast, we get asked a lot what it's like to live here. And I had this moment where I was like, I would just tell them to read this book. Like it really, like you really captured the New York experience, I think perfectly, or at least like very similar to my experience. And I felt that in Happy and You Know It as well. So is this something you kind of set out to do or are you just writing what you know? You know, I think to some extent I'm writing what I know. Like I've spent <laughs> 10 years living in New York and just feeling like, oh, I'm really immersed in this place and oftentimes I'm inspired to write my books by just like what I'm noticing in my life you know so then once I'm working on a book I'll go out and try to just be like really observant of what's going on <laughs> um, yeah. and what what things look like and what the people I meet are talking about and um, what it's like to go to an event here or something like that but I don't know if you know I kind of moved to DC like, oh, no. I know. I'm in New York right now. I just came back. I'm fully vaxxed. I'm like staying for a week uh, at my old apartment. My friend took over the lease. Oh, nice. Yeah. But during COVID, I moved down to DC to be with my then boyfriend, now fiance. And <laughs> uh, so I don't know. It, you know, my next novel, I think, might not be so lived in New York. <laughs> Will you still set it in New York or are we going to? now will this be a look into DC lives? Actually, I think it's <laughs> going to be mostly set in LA because oh. it's, <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I'll just tell you about it right now. Um, okay. <laughs> it's about like the stars of a Mickey Mouse club slash high school musical-esque show back in the early 2000s. Oh my God. Really, really big. 
Yeah. I feel like you're writing this specifically for me. Like that's <laughs> everything I love. Well, basically I was like, what kind of research do I want to do for my next book? I want to like listen to a lot of early 2000s pop and <laughs> like stalk Britney oh Spears' Instagram. So yeah. I mean, that's what we're all doing all the time. So exactly. <laughs> might as well monetize it. Exactly. <laughs> I love that. So I really, really loved Happy You Know It, which came out last year is actually one of the first books I read in quarantine oh I just thought it was such a fun concept and then after reading a special place for women I realized that you kind of in each book infiltrated a very specific part of New York society with each one I'm well I guess you kind of answered this because now we're going to LA <laughs> but, um were you thinking about that consciously as you were writing a special place for women or was it kind of serendipitous? Yeah, I was definitely thinking about like, oh, I had written this book about what it's like to be uh, very focused on motherhood, you know, as a woman in New York in your late 20s to 30s. Um, what is it like to be really focused on your career um, at this point in time? Mm -hmm. And it is funny because I think both of these books, if you zoom out, you can be like, oh, it's about an outsider who infiltrates like a tight knit group of women and exposes their secrets. Um, but then when you zoom in, it's like, oh, these books are really different from each yeah. other. And it's so funny, too, because they kind of do exist in the same universe. Like maybe women from Happy You Know It could have been members of Nevertheless. Yeah. My uh, neighbor who really loved um, Vicky and Happy and You Know It, who's sort of like the silent mom who never talks, texted me the other day and was like, now I really like Vi from A Special Place <laughs> for Women. You always write these like characters whose names start with V and I feel like Vicky and Vi should like hook up and start dating <laughs> or something. And I was like, that seems great. I'm into it. That's so funny. I also, for my real job, I work in social for a kid's company. So oh. reading about like the influencer moms, I was like, oh yeah, I've met these women. Like, I thought you did such a good job kind of capturing that like Instagram mommy vibe. <laughs> well, thank you. I worked um, like teaching kids music and doing play groups and birthday parties for the kids. So oh. I was definitely a lot in that world. I wonder if we ever crossed paths. I in know, a way. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> you like see so much when you're in that in that whole world. Yeah. Um, so how is writing, you kind of talked about this because you were on deadline, but how is writing different between both novels and then the one that you're working on now? Uh, I would say with each novel that I write, I have more of a sense of the outline before I get into it. So like, you know, in writing, there are these sort of two schools of thought. It's like, are you a pantser or are you a plotter? Like, do you plot it all out or do you fly by the seat of your pants? Um, and I, yeah, I would say progressively each novel, I become more of a plotter. Um, Interesting. Yeah, weirdly. <laughs> so, so happy and you know it, I sort of knew like one thing in the middle and one thing at the end. And I definitely had to like start over a few times. Um, the beginning of the book was very bad at first. And my agent was like, uh, your main character sucks. Delete her. <laughs> she said it in a nicer way than that. But um, whereas with the special place for women, I, I like had a, a bunch of different sort of guideposts along the way. Um, I'm like, it's not the word guidepost, lamppost. 
signs. I don't know, <laughs> but I like, I, knew, I got it. <laughs> you, you understand. <laughs> um, yeah. And then with this one that I'm writing now, I feel like actually I've gotten really into outlining it and I like knew the majority of everything that was going to happen before I started really like writing the meat of it. So yeah, I don't know. I always find that so interesting when we talk to authors. Do you know how it'll end? And does that change as you're going? So I feel like sometimes it like takes on a life of its own. Yeah. Um, so far, I have known roughly how all my books will end when they start. And oftentimes I'll like write a prologue that hints at the end of the book too, or like says something. And then I'll be like, oh, yeah. now I got to get us there. <laughs> and I always know <laughs> I can change it, I guess. Like it's just a prologue. You can change the prologue. But I think I've become very attached to my prologues. <laughs> <laughs> and then it just keeps gives you me on track. Yeah, exactly. Keeps me yeah. on track. <laughs> um, but like this book, A Special Place for Women, definitely has a big old twist uh, around like the 60% mark. And when I first, first started writing it, I thought that the twist was going to come much sooner and maybe even be close, closer to like the premise of the book, you know? Oh. Um, so that definitely changed me being like no actually it's a surprise twist that sends us in a totally different direction that's okay so I was going to touch on this a bit later but this is a slight spoiler to anyone listening things get slightly witchy yeah (laughs) and when I first got to that I was like where are we gonna go with this but I thought you pulled it off so well and I real like I couldn't stop turning pages and I was like what the heck is gonna happen next year <laughs> why did you decide to go down that path oh man yeah is it should I talk about this with spoilers or no um we usually try to do spoiler free but I'm gonna when I talk about the book in a whole I'm gonna touch on the fact that like it does get a bit witchy all right cool um so I was interested in this idea, like the wing would always sort of call itself like a coven, like come join our coven. And I was meeting Mm -hmm. so many women who were like getting into the occult, you know, everybody was like really into tarot and astrology all of a sudden, and people were calling themselves witches. And so I was like, (laughs) yeah, that feels like a really fun uh, ground to cover and to like explore what happens when you put a kind of judgmental, cynical heroine <laughs> um, in the path of these women who are like really into the occult? I thought maybe this is like a New Yorker thing too. I don't know, but I literally have a friend who thinks he's a practicing witch. Mm-hmm. So reading this, I was like, this is my friend Joe. Like, this is so normal to me because I know people that are like, casting spells on a Friday night before yeah. they go out I mean I was like meeting people all the time who were like oh yeah, yeah yeah I did a spell the other day or like here's my crystal that I carry yeah. around in my pocket that makes things happen for me and yeah I felt like I was having this reaction of like oh come on um and then I was like why am I being so judgmental why am I like yucking somebody's yum you know so that, yeah that's what I wanted to explore in the book <laughs> I love it so were any of the characters based on real life New Yorkers? Because a few of them are kind of like socialites in the book. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody is like one for one based on somebody else, but definitely there were people that I like looked up and read about and maybe took little details from their lives. Uh, and like, 
you know, definitely some of these girl bossy, quote unquote, girl boss type <laughs> women who were being covered sort of like breathlessly in the media, of like, look how they're changing the world. And then some of them had kind of these inevitable downfalls too, when it turned out that like, they were making some of the same mistakes as everybody else, <laughs> but they had promised so much more. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, it was definitely like looking at some of the women in power at the wing. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, nobody's, nobody's directly inspired by anybody else. So politics plays a role in this book. Um, for reference to listeners, ne- nevertheless, allegedly, got the city's first female female mayor elected and then allegedly they were the ones behind her scandalous downfall. How did you decide to include politics in the capacity that you did and then I guess in the way that it went with this like subplot with Nicole? Yeah. So I felt like so many of these women's spaces, these like very trendy women's spaces used politics as kind of like social cachet you know they were like come come here to our beautiful space with all our peach couches that like look so perfect on instagram but also we will be like talking to you know a senator who will tell us like how we can change the world and help women achieve true equality and so i was really interested in what happens you know number one when like we latch on to a woman who is a politician and we just like elevate her so fast and decide that she is our hero um and she is like she's changing the world and she therefore must have no flaws because like we all have flaws Mm -hmm. (laughs) um so yeah I wanted to explore that and what happens when an idol falls um in that way when like we don't really have all that many idols that we can hold up uh and then I also wanted to explore like what happens when these women in a club like this sort of but like their political ideals butt up against their own (laughs) self-interest you know yeah I thought the way obviously without giving away the whole book but the (laughs) way it played out was just so fascinating and yeah I I don't know if you can tell but I really loved (laughs) Special Place for Women I'm so glad So I'm in the camp of people that I have like a rotation of actors and actresses in my head when I read a book. So for this one, Jillian was um, Dakota Johnson for me. Oh. And I saw when I was talking on Instagram today that A Special Place for Women is being developed at Paramount. So if you could cast the main characters, who would you have play them? Okay. (laughs) I feel like I have a whole (laughs) list for Jillian and then I like only have slight ideas for the other characters but I like Dakota Johnson I haven't thought of that one before um I really saw like Aubrey Plaza for Jillian when I was um writing this but also like Kristen Milioti from um Made for Love and Palm Springs I think could be great or like Jessica Williams or Aquafina I also think could bring really interesting things to the role yeah um and then oh my gosh Raph I feel like I pictured like a younger, taller Oscar Isaac. <laughs> and for Miles, I pictured, oh, Milo Ventimiglia, actually. Like okay. anytime, anytime he was being too much of a jerk, I was like, just picture Milo Ventimiglia and then you'll, <laughs> you'll get the attraction. <laughs> you'll understand why Jillian's doing what she's doing. Exactly. 
And then Margot, um, I'm just now I'm just going to tell you like every character in the book, apparently. <laughs> um, for Margot, somebody I've been thinking about recently. So Margot's sort of like the head of the club who's really into like the more woo woo stuff. Um, I feel like Zoe Kravitz could do a really interesting Ooh. job with her. I don't know. These are, these are some of one. my thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what do you hope readers take away from A Special Place for Women? Well, first of all, I just hope that they have so much fun and they feel like they just hung out with a friend for a few hours who like told them a really, really wild, juicy story and made them laugh and also maybe made them swoon and cry and gasp. Um, but also, I hope readers take away that like, this stuff is hard. You know, women supporting other women takes work and we're not always going to get it exactly right. But just because it can be difficult it doesn't mean that we should stop trying. We have to keep trying and we can't just, you know, be like, oh, I've bought my t-shirt that says this is what a feminist looks like. So I'm done. And we can't just be like, mm -hmm. well, it's too hard. I'm giving up entirely. We've got, nevertheless, we must persist. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I would be remiss if I didn't mention the cover of this book. I don't know. It's the millennial in me, like that millennial pink draws me right in, but I think it's beautiful I read an e-galley and I actually bought the book so I was like I need to have this like gorgeous pink on my shelves oh my god <laughs> thank you <laughs> of course do you have any say in designing this or were you kind of just presented cover ideas so I was presented like four different possible directions for the cover um and my agent team and I were like "Ooh, this one with the door like the pink doors we love that one <laughs> and so then we we sort of like talked with our wonderful designer Emily and my wonderful editor Jen um about like what else might be going on on the cover at first it was just going to be like the doors and the title and then there was this sense of like oh maybe it's a little unfinished and so then Emily like drew all these beautiful women to put on it and we got to like we weren't doing any of the designing but we got to be like we really love this one like this one isn't working quite as well here and so it felt collaborative but really Emily was doing all the work <laughs> you know I love it I feel like like if I were to see it in a bookstore my eye would immediately go towards that I, I judge books by their covers a lot so. <laughs> Me too. Me too. I love a beautiful book cover. <laughs> yeah, it just makes it more like more fun. So we like to end every episode by going around and saying something that we're excited to read next. Is there mm. anything you're reading now or anything on your list of summer reads that you're excited about? Yeah, I just today started reading Dial A for Aunties by Jesse Sutanto. Oh. Um, it's really fun so far. It's about a woman who it seems accidentally kills a man that her mom like set her up on a blind date with. And then she and her aunties have to like figure out how to hide the body during this like very <laughs> lavish wedding weekend that they're working. <laughs> um, oh, so but, fun. Yeah. So far it's really, really funny and also like kind of romantic and I'm, I'm into it. <laughs> That's another good cover show. Yeah. It's a really fun one. And it's so fun for like cover um, recreations too. I'm seeing lots of like really great, people doing that yeah so where can our listeners find you on the internet uh I would say I'm most active on Instagram at Laura Hankin but I also am on Twitter uh every once in a while I 
do Facebook and I'm like kind of trying TikTok. I don't know. <laughs> um, and then my website is laurahankin.com. And I just need to say for everyone listening, go to her Instagram because there is a song and a music video for a special <laughs> place for women that I've had in my head since I listened to it. So make sure you go check that out. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us. This has been so much fun. It was really nice talking with you. Thank you.